When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. This is the Orange and Back Check Podcast with Bill Kornfeld and Scott Weinhardt. It is episode 35, the Steve Mason episode of Orange and Backcheck. This is probably going to be the most optimistic episode that we have probably put on record in our young life of this podcast. I am Bill Kornfeld. Across from me, virtually social distancing, Scott Weinhardt. How's it going, brother? Hey, man, listen, they say stay six feet away from people. I'm staying 12 feet away from you, all right? That's even be that's even being generous that you were just saying twelve feet. <laughs> yeah, I know, but I'm just saying in general. If we were in person, they'd say six feet, I'd say twelve, because you know, in this heat you kind of have a leer a little bit of a funk that comes off you a little bit. So <laughs> hey, just, I saying, just saying, just saying. Well, not good enough, apparently. You need to- Oh, nice. <laughs> Rolling around outside with that dog and that weird statue your neighbor has in his yard, you know, it's a little strange thing that's going on there. All I can say is that they use it as a fire pit and they burn leftover sticks from when they do their yard work. So I can't, I, I, it's a, it's a weird looking contraction. That's all mm-hmm. I can say. Yep. Uh, yep. But if Same. you haven't seen that, that that's on my Twitter page uh, at radio bill, 1210, you can see the weird, uh, what would just, just all the, out the cook, flange, the, the penis, the penis shaped fire pit. You, you, you can just say it. It's fine. You got a penis-shaped fire pit in your neighbor's backyard. Hey, at least it's not mine. That it, well, I, that would it, you know. Okay, I don't even know what to say about that. But okay, <laughs> I mean, well, I don't know what, what what's going just, on down there. But I'm not going to ask it. All right. Let's just. Let's you just only get, have to satisfy one person with that when you get older, <laughs> and that's all that matters. All right. Once you get married, that's it. You got to worry about it ever again. Exactly. So let's get right into this. I mean, what a better way to transition into talking about bubbles and quarantine and social distancing than right now. I mean, the bubble, all I can say is it's working for not just the NHL, but the NBA. Both leagues seem to have things relatively under control. The NHL announced since testing, they did the testing between July, basically last week, the 13th through the 17th, there were over nearly 2,700 or just over 2,600 tests tests taken between 800 players. Only two of them came back positive. So, I mean, this is a great sign. Between two cities that you have 24 teams split between the two, this is a great sign for the NHL. This is wonderful. That's another week before they get to each hub city. But the point is right now is that the players are – and the league are taking extra precautions, and with that, it is working. So it's actually a really good thing to see that the NHL is spearheading this. I mean, with the NBA doing it as well, chances are the NBA players will probably have a little more lax with it down the line, um, as we've talked about in the past. But I think the important thing is seeing what the NHL is doing because other sports leagues can start following this model. There's a lot of discord in the, um, you know, some a little bit with baseball, but even more so with the NFL. And the the fact that the NHL is doing very well by keeping its numbers very low and the fact where it, it seems like we're going to have not just hockey back, but we're going to have really, really good hockey back because it seems like everybody's going to be playing who didn't opt out and for the most part. And that's a huge thing to see. Yeah, there's only one team that's really – well, I, 
one player on the cross te- cross state rivals and just in name with Sidney Crosby is in a bit of questionable marks because he left practice early a couple days ago. But overall, the only team that seems to be very, I guess, secretive. You can, well, you can't really call it secretive, despite my my objection to how the NHL is handling it. Like we're not knowing who the two players are, we can always speculate who they are. And it's just a matter of convenience, not convenience, but by process of elimination, there's two players missing on Boston. Uh, and everyone's like, are, are these the two guys? Are these, are, are Pasternak and... Kukarask. Um, he, he came back today, though. I just, I just found out about an update about an hour ago that he did come back to okay, practice so, today. So, but so still, maybe- Pasternak out is a big deal for them. Huge deal. And the potential of Sidney Crosby also leaving practice, like, are we talking about two of the most notable players in Pasternak and Crosby testing positive? And now, like, we don't know the extent that they're – and we're just speculating. We're not saying that they're these two are the players that uh, have tested positive. It would be nice if the NHL, in my opinion, just came out and said who these two players were because I think transparency is key in these kind of scenarios when you're dealing with something like COVID-19 and a pandemic. Um, but that's – we'll get into that. But if it's just these two players, what's that mean for those – Two teams, if we're under the speculation that it's Crosby and Pasternak. Well, it'd be bigger problems because you have to think if he left practice early, obviously he's on the ice practicing Crosby and probably spreading it to other players, unfortunately. Um, So you have to think – the good thing is you haven't seen a lot of like wildfire of guys stepping out of the lineup there. The only one that seems to be a problem right now is Boston because they have a lot of guys who are out of the lineup – a lot of guys, as far as uh, Charlie McAvoy didn't do, I uh, didn't practice today. Andre Kasha, Chris Wagner, and David Pasternak, and who and that those guys have not practiced for Boston. Now they did get like, for instance, that Boston did get back David Krejci, Sean Corrali, Charlie Coyle, and, and most importantly for them, Tuukka Rask. They're all squared away, but the concern is too is that. You don't know because Jake Voracek, they said today, didn't practice. And apparently what Scott Lawton said you know, afterwards was that it's really not a big deal. We'll be ready to go. Even Crosby – or excuse me, Voracek said that. Uh, he was like, you guys panicked too much. And I, But that goes to my point. There was a great article in the Montreal Gazette. Um, Hickey is the, is the writer's name. He wrote – basically he sprung off the speculation about uh, Crosby's early exit and how ridiculous this policy is. Like, this is where um, the policy of not knowing is something that needs to be looked at. Like, do we have a right to know? I would say no, but at the same time, we should know these things because we can eliminate the speculation that we're now, you and I are doing exactly that. We're speculating who possibly contracted COVID-19. Like, I don't think... For some reason, I think the mindset of the NHL is if we tell them who contracts COVID-19, it starts this wildfire and speculation of what's going to happen. And I think that's in the realm of possibility, but I also think there's also uh, rational thinking reporters and fans that just say, okay, this person has COVID-19, they've taken the steps, they're closing practice facility for X amount of days, they're disinfecting, and that person is in self-quarantine and moving on. Like, I think it would just be easier on everyone's minds from the NHL to the fan if we knew who these two players were. Well, I think the NHL does know, and I'm sure there's oh, no, some no, internal communication there. Right. But, but I'm saying like they don't what I like these you then if you tell us who is there, who is who has the virus, then you don't get unnecessary articles slamming the NHL that like this Hickey man, this guy Hickey for the Montreal Gazette, slamming them for the policy that's it. I'm, I'm like, I'm just coming from the angle of the NHL has already enough problems on their hands. They can avoid one by just telling us who these players are. No, I disagree because that's going to cause bigger problems. I think I, I like the fact that the NHL is going all or nothing on this. Is that you can't have say you can't have some saying about some players like hey, uh, let's say. 
Sidney Crosby tweaks something and he's just going to be out a day or two. Like, so then you're going to say, okay, well, the guy who's unfit to play, well, why is he unfit to play? That causes more speculation in the sense of if you can't have it where if players are unfit to play, it's it's even more vague than the upper and lower body injury, and which is fine because if you have it where you start announcing some minor things that'll be back tomorrow, yeah. what happens when they're not out tomorrow? Then you got a speculation where the guy could have like a torn ACL and everybody's panicking because he's not back because he's got, you know, they're thinking he's got coronavirus. My the, the whole issue I see is that you just say they're unfit to play. And and that way it leads that doesn't have the speculation that, that you don't need to have speculation if the fact you say, okay, there's only two positive COVID tests, uh, tests today. Okay, so we know that while there might be 28 players that are unfit to play, there's only two of them that are. And then from there, you're playing roulette trying to figure out which ones, but it might not even be some guys who are on the injured list or what. I mean, it's someone who's just on the expanded roster. I don't know how they're exactly going to do that. But the point is is that you, you can't have it half in and half out. you got to go all in or out, and you have to go all in by saying, okay, a player is unfit to play because let people speculate. What what needs to happen happens. You can't control it. It's behind the scenes. Who cares? Let's just play friggin' hockey. Yeah, I mean, I I, I don't know. I just come back to the because I believe I, I know Russell Westbrook said he tested positive. Like if the players, I think maybe if it, the players just decided on their own, hey, by the way, I'm I've tested positive ten days ago. I'm in the day ten of quarantine. I'll be back on the ice in in five days after my fourteen day quarantine. I think that would be a little like you can't really stop them from doing that. I would imagine. I don't think the gag there's a gag order on players you, speaking out. Well, well, from okay. Say for instance, okay, all right. Here's the thing. Say I am, um, say I'm the coach. Say I'm Elaine Vigneault, okay, mm-hmm. and I'm playing Pittsburgh in the playoffs, and I find out that Sidney Crosby's out of the lineup because he's got coronavirus. Well, guess what? That no, that changes my entire game plan. Okay, beforehand, if I have a player that's unfit to play and it's questionable, I have to prepare players if they might be having in or might be having out, or that might Crosby might be in or might be out of the lineup. If you have not would say coronavirus, then all of a sudden it's players aren't going to be so much focused on the game to be thinking, whoa, I checked him last game. I, I, I took a face off with him last game. Do I have it too? So, yes, while it's a human thing, while you need to think about it, I'm not trying to be cold here. The point is, is that if the players do come out and start saying stuff, I think that's going to be a bigger problem with the owners and with the league because you finally have an era of labor peace with this league. And I think people want to keep it that way. And right. I think that it's the best player in the in the players and team's best interest to classify everybody the same. And if a player is unfit to play, whether he's got coronavirus, whether he's got an injury, whether he's got whatever, it makes it simpler. Because when you hear unfit to play, okay, I know that guy's not going to be in the lineup. Whatever, you can game plan around it. It makes things simpler and allows it for a smoother process. Well, then let's expand this out to beyond coronavirus and the coronavirus pandemic of this year of 2020, which is... The, the fact we're only in July is beyond me. Like only in my July, God. this year's gone so fast, dude. Oh no, I, I I'm the opposite. I feel like we have been at a sloth pace since March. But like, but like, is there a possibility that the NHL then looks at it and goes, you know what? Maybe we'll just start doing this for all injuries beyond 2020 and beyond the pandemic like they already already secretive enough when it comes to the it, classifying an injury when they say lower body or upper body and then they say when they say lower body they really mean their right hand because it l- hangs below their <laughs> hip like yeah. that, that's what they like they, they, they that 100 percent happens like we yeah. both know that like yeah. they just w- make roundabout ways of being uh Uninformative. So, say, so, so like, so if you got a concussion, would it be that you have a lower body injury because your head's up your ass? <laughs> Me, yeah, I mean, if you want it, like that would be something the <laughs> NHL would think. I'm sure if that's Probably. what you want to discuss, like I'm sure the NHL would find a roundabout way to cause it, find any possible way to be inform the most uninformative informative discussion or uh information that they give us 
And I and I, and the thing is though, because then they, they can just start. Then they can just start saying that everyone's unfit to play. Oh, Shane Gossespierre, when they come back in, like say the season starts in Jan- in December, and then they are then Shane is out on in December on December fifteenth for X amount of period. They're just say, oh, he's unfit to play. He'll be back in a week and a half. Okay, so really, and let let's look at it a real a real way though. It annoys fans, upper and lower body injury, more or less because they're nosy. I don't care if a player has an upper body injury or a lower body injury. I care the fact, okay, he's not playing. That sucks. Um, if I'm looking at this as a coach, True. yes. Yeah. Your coaches are looking at the actual injury. They're looking at rehab. They're looking at all that stuff. A lot of coaches are just hearing from the doctors when they're good to go and when they're not. Now, that, all that stuff is, is, is out of the equation. It annoys fans because they want to know how long their favorite players are out for. But I Frank, think they have a right to know that because they buy tickets off that. Like, like you can tell me that pl- Flyers fans still they some of them are buying tickets exclusively to watch either uh, Claude Giroux. You can put Carter Hart in that conversation now because he's starting to become the big guy in Philly as the goalie for this team that we haven't seen in in 30 plus years and or Jake Voracek you and I won't be buying tickets exclusively to watch Jake Voracek someone else might be watching to see Coots but like what I'm saying is like these some people buy tickets exclusively to watch x amount of player like I think you, in that sense, because we're also talking, like, no one cares about you and I having an injury. If you and I are playing hockey, like, just on the street, like, just pick up hockey with friends, and I twist an ankle, and I have to go to the doctor, and I'm on crutches for three weeks, no one cares about me. But, like, except my wife, hopefully. I care, Bill. And I also care that when we played outdoors and you busted your ass, I cared that you had a hard time walking (laughs) around. But then, like, but people care. If, that was a lower body. That was an upper body injury for you. That was it. Yeah, it, yeah. Well played. <laughs> but, but people care about uh, Coots being out for three weeks because that means they might not be able to go to a game for well, three weeks or have that, a possibility. And, and that's the case in the fair weather. Listen, uh, when when people when they go to a game. They're, they're there to watch the Philadelphia Flyers, not there to watch the Philadelphia Giroux. The sure, Philadelphia but if your son yeah. says, I want to see Claude Giroux play and he's out for three weeks, then that's going to weigh on you. Well, it doesn't mean I'm not going to take him to the game still. But he's also because he's young. Like he's. I'm going to give you a great analogy that it's going to blow up your argument, okay? okay. If, if, if Carson Wentz gets hurt, are you not going to watch the next Eagles game? Okay, so the only response I would have to that is football is such a anomaly to the rest of sports. Oh, no, 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 no. I Do think, not compare apples to oranges. Of course, no, no, no. Of course it is. I've gone to it's the Flyers same exact games. Thing. It is it's not because I've exclusively gone to Flyers games to watch Connor McDavid, knowing that he was in town. I like well, he's I, on the opposite team. Right, See, but if he's out, that's what, but that's if he's hurt, marketing. but if he's hurt and out for three weeks, and we don't know, or if we're not told how, if we're just told, oh, he's unfit to play, and we're not told how long he's going to be out, then I'm not going to like that's uh, then I'm not going to waste my time drinking those or buying those tickets. What if you? What if you're a season ticket holder and already have them? I'll sell them. I'll sell those tickets. Well, that's you. Like for for me, like there's more players on Edmonton that I'd probably want to see. Leon Drysaddle's a hell of a player. Ryan Nugent Hopkins can still play. I get that. Probably Yamamoto's a really fast player. Obviously, you and I nowadays will go to watch any team. I'm talking about our listener that is the casual Flyers fan that goes to two or three games a year at most. But I'm talking to you in a sense where I'm also talking to that casual fan and saying, okay, so you have tickets to a game. You don't want to go see your favorite team play another really good team with some other good talent because their star player isn't there. I get there's some people who might think that, but that's the wrong mentality. I don't care if Connor McDavid is out with a lower body injury, even though he's Apparently faster than he's ever been now, which is yeah, a scary thing going to the playoffs. Yeah, he healed from the he healed and got time to get in shape, which is scary. But the point is, is that there's going to be times where there might be some surprise scratches or things along those lines where that happens, where a player might be out for a few weeks because of an injury he's sustained in, in, in the morning skate that day. It shouldn't mean that oh, you know, I've had these tickets for two months. I'm not going to go now because I don't get to see that player. Just still go and enjoy the game and see the other players around that were them because you, you know it's not like Connor McDavid plays a full 60 minutes anyway. So when you go, you're not watching him every second he's on the ice. 
That's a good point. I mean, the the interchange, the fly, the line changes in hockey are is unique compared to any 45 other forty five second shifts, and that's yeah. high end. That's that, high end now. These with speed of the game. So my yeah. point is, is that. Yes. While you can say, okay, a guy has an upper body injury or a lower body injury. I don't care if a guy has a lower body injury, an upper body injury, an inside injury. His little ego's hurt because he hasn't scored in 16 games and mm-hmm. he's got an upper body injury because his head's up his ass. I, I don't care. The point is, is that if you have an opportunity to go and watch the game, you can see the players. You, the game moves so fast that chances are you won't see the player every time he's out there on the shift. It's not like when I went to see the Flyers play Toronto last year because I went because I wanted to see Mitch Marner play. It's not like I saw Mitch Marner on every single shift. There was a lot of shifts that I didn't see him, but I noticed him when he was doing things like, wow, he's on the point on the penalty kill, pressuring the puck carrier, both of them on the points, and he's doing a lot of things in the offensive end, but I also see the other talent of Austin Matthews. I see the talent of William Nylander. I see the talent of... um, Oh, where, where, what the hell is that defenseman's name? It just flew out of my head. Um, but anyway, you see how Freddie Anderson gives up leaky goals. There's so many aspects to it. I don't think – I think football will be a bigger aspect of that. If, you're, if your star quarterback is out, say Aaron Rodgers comes to the link, there's going to be people that want to come to the link to see Aaron Rodgers play Carson Wentz, even though they're not on yeah. the field at the same exact time. The yep. point is, though, it doesn't mean you're not going to go to the Eagles game if Aaron Rodgers is hurt. You're still probably going to go because it's the Eagles and it's also your favorite team. So, I, I I I can I can see maybe that argument a little bit in football. Like if Carson Wentz goes down and he's out for the year, not going what it doesn't happen again. But the point is, is that <laughs> the whole point is you might say, okay, well they're done now. I'm not going to go to the game. If you think like that, you're fair weather. But I don't think that's actually an applicable thing here with hockey. If he has an upper body or lower body injury, it's really just people are nosy, want to know what's going on, and also hurts them in fantasy. So yeah, yeah. That, I, I, I mean, I that, that. that definitely plays a factor, and in, in that sense, football has the advantage, and why we need to know when. Carson Wentz is hurt or but, but also Miles football, Sanders, whoever it may be. Well, here's the thing. Football is a different animal in the spectrum where you can give the person the injury because you normally when you have an injury in football, you're normally not back the next week because normally the injuries are pretty substantial. So, like, you see guys about tearing ACLs every single week. You know they're out for the year. You know you need to drop them. That's all you need to know, and you forget about that player the rest of the year. Hockey, you know, it really doesn't work there because there's so many interchangeable parts. Like you might notice after some time, a player not, you know, leaving a giant hole like that, but it's not an immediate impact. Like it is in other sports. I, yeah. So I don't think it's, I don't, I don't think it's as important. I think it's why the NHL takes the stance and I have no problem. They say unfit the play going forward, because I think that's actually a very fair thing to say. The guy's unfit to play. Then you don't have to worry about things of, Oh, like he needs to go on personal leave because he's going through rehab or for a substance abuse problem. You can start covering things up like that and keep really some of those things out of the way until players are ready to come out and talk about it, like Jim Montgomery did, who got fired from Dallas this year. It turns out he was an alcoholic, which is one of the reasons why he got fired. And, you know, he was ready to come out on his own and talk about it. Nobody said anything. And I think that at the end of the day, we, we tend to forget that athletes are people. And yeah, I think it's I think is we important. We, we, we need to understand that these these aren't like modern day gladiators. They're not just pieces of meat. They're human beings. Let's give them a little bit of respect and a little bit of privacy, even though they're in the spotlight. Yeah. Uh, on that sense, I definitely agree. I, by, well, but also trying to argue for knowing when they're going to be out for a substantial piece of uh, period of time. Well, but thankful- argue the fact that you were wrong and you were wrong <laughs> to think that and, and it's okay. It's fine. I, I <laughs> will agree to disagree. Fair. And that's, fair what, enough. That's, that's what made that segment good. Um, <laughs> the other good thing, I mean, what, turning to great news for the Flyers specifically, um, some and we were talking about possibly people going to watch Coots, uh, buying tickets to just watch Coots. Uh, Coots was just announced as a Selkie finalist. Uh, and wow. uh, in addition to that, uh, AV was nominated for a Jack Adams finalist. So we have two major uh, pieces. Uh, oh, and Oscar Lindblom, I believe he was. Oh, I'm. The Masterson. I, the Masterson. Yes. You're right. The Master. He was nominated for the Masterson Trophy. So we have three key flyers nominated for these presti- pretty, I would say, prestigious awards. I mean, there's nothing they don't you don't just uh, turn tilt your head at it and go go okay, cool, nice nice award uh, AV for winning Jack Adams. These are pretty significant awards um, 
first off, what were your initial thoughts? I think the most obvious one was Jack Adams with AV. I think like he was a shoe in, I would say by mid February, like he just, by the, with the, with the, with the way he, the team was playing, uh, it was kind of like he got attention. It was, it was pretty evident that he was going to be in the conversation for Jack Adams for sure. Coots. I was, I was, it's nice to see cause he finally gets recognized as the player he is. So it's good to see a, as a Selkie finalist. So, uh, but AV, I did not was not that surprised. I, I thought that was exactly where it should be. I think if he has a shot, he Vigneault has a shot. I think Bruce Cassidy, who the Bruins coach, to take him to the record they did after losing in Game Seven of the final. Again, the the, the Jack Adams candidates this year are Bruce Cassidy, Cassidy for the Bruins, John Tortorella for the Blue Jackets, and Elaine Vigneault for the Flyers. Cassidy. And this is a tough one. This is a tough one when you look at it as a whole. And here's why. Bruce Cassidy's done a very, very good job with the Bruins team. Normally, as I mentioned before, when teams come back from losing a final like that, normally they don't repeat getting back there the next year. That is such a hard thing to do because it's so hard to get players motivated like that. You go back and talk to, you know, read things. I've read it with some books on coaches, and it's pretty wild to find out, like, Ken Hitchcock, when he won the cup with Dallas in 1999, he said coming back next year it was so easy to get those guys motivated. Everybody wanted to repeat. He goes, you don't realize how hard it was the year after we lost the final, after the year after winning it, of getting to game six and losing, how hard it was to keep everybody motivated the next year. Just they could not believe that they had lost it after they had won it all. So right. to get back to that point and win the President's Trophy is a huge accomplishment. However, as much as I respect Vigneault for – being able of being taking this team now. Look, we, we I've been we've been saying for we, we although this is the first year of this podcast, I've been saying for a while the problem is is finding the right coach for this team. Vigneault is the right coach for this team because as a good mix of veteran leadership and younger skilled players, and it all he's got it all to gel together and, and getting them to play aggressive the way that they're designed to do. However. I really have to tip my hat to John Tortorella. If anybody's going to win the wow. Jack Adams this year besides yeah. Vigneault, I've got to give it to John Tortorella, and here's why. We can all say what we want about the great Tortellini, as it's been nicknamed here in the past. The point is, you don't realize what John Tortorella's had to work with. This shows how good of a coach John Tortorella is. I mean, this is this is how good. He lost a lot of – he lost – one of the top scorers in the league in Artemi Panarin. He lost the top center in Matt Duchesne. He lost the Vesna finalist goaltender in Sergei Bobrovsky. Okay? Three major pieces. He lost Seth Jones, his top defenseman, to an injury this season. He's been taking a team of just guys who are just willing to work, and he's gotten them in the playoffs in a play-on round. I mean, they were on the edge of the playoffs before this and even battling back and forth with the Flyers for a wild card spot. The fact that Tortorella has been able to take a team like that, of, of, I want to say mediocre players, but no real standout stars, and losing a bunch of players like that, that is saying something. I mean, that's going to show what kind of talent and what kind of coach you are to be able to develop your team like that. So I really give a lot of credit to John Tortorella to be able to on this list because I, if anybody deserves it, look, Vigneault, no disrespect to him. Elaine Vigneault, this is a Flyers podcast. Vigneault has been a great, great, you know, a, a great piece to this team to get him to the next level. But Tortorella has taken t- a team with lesser talent than the Flyers, and he's done more with it to this point. So uh, my hat's off to him. Uh, I, the only thing I would argue in terms of Tortorella, because I, I agree, like I think what Tortorella has done is very impressive, but I lean towards back towards AV simply because he was in the playoffs no matter what. Tortorella's team benefited from COVID. Like he, they were on the outskirts looking in and it, it was, or they were fighting back and forth for that final wild card spot. So like it wasn't going to be by default for them to get in. The Flyers were locked up basically. They obviously hadn't clinched the playoffs because we were only in middle of March. But I, I think what AV, what AV is able to do in the span of like what a team that was so, so just, set in their ways of just like f- we're, we're fine with what we're doing in terms of average being very average. They were not that impressive. And then AV just comes in and just gives them the shot in the arm that they needed. And then they're finally showing the, they're finally showing what they should have been this entire time for the last 
six or seven years, depending on what what you want to argue here. But I think what AV has done is much more impressive than what Tortorella has done. Tortorella is what he's done with less, yes, but like what he has with less wasn't going to mean anything at the end. There was a real chance. There's still a real chance that the Flyers are going to hoist the cup in in. August or September, whenever this thing ends. Like, I don't, if I were to guess, I wouldn't put any money on the Blue Jackets to get anywhere past the, the play-in round. Well, I mean, then put your money down, see what happens. I mean, Flyers yeah. are 10 to 1 odds right now, which is great. Um, I think I put my money down when they were 25 to 1, so I think it's might still be there. So yeah. here, here's the thing about Twitter. I'll say this, and then we and we can move on. The thing about Vigneault coming into this situation is that this is not the same roster than it was last year. It's an upgraded roster. They added and Justin a young Braun. Roster. They, well, not just an upgraded. It's a young roster that they're going to build. A not just a they have like I've said before. They have two cores going on right now: the veteran core and the youth core that will take over the veteran core when it's done, all right. said and done. So it's a unique situation and a good situation for the Flyers in AV. Agreed, agreed. But here's the thing. Last year, the Flyers didn't have Matt Niskanen. Last year, they didn't have Justin Braun. Last year, they didn't have Kevin Hayes. So they, you're, there's two defensemen right there, which were upgrades of what they had before, and then also an upgrade on your second-line center. So with that, he has the benefit of the doubt being able to put those pieces together. Can I say that another coach would come in here and do as good of a job? Probably not. The point is, though, is that the Flyers added talent at the end of last season and then brought in a new coach. The Blue Jackets lost a ton of talent, okay? They lost a lot of talent on their team and are still keeping pace with the other team, with the, with, with the wild card. So the point is is that the, you have to take a look at the overall body of work. And while, don't get wrong, as I've said a couple times already, no disrespect and taking away no credit from Vigneault because he's done an amazing job to be able to get this team to this level where they look like they're really contenders. The thing is, though, is that the way that a team like – Columbus that was supposed to take a quite a few steps back has actually moved forward and played like much tougher than they did last year. So um, that, you know, again, agree to disagree. That's fine. We'll see what happens with the awards. Best of luck to all the coaches and uh, they all deserve it in some fashion. So we'll see what happens. Yeah. And it's, it's always fun to argue with these kind of things. So that's why we do it. And before we wrap in, wrap this up, like my question is because now we're finally getting sports back, the Phillies are going on as we record this, they're playing the Yankees, I think in the second of three or second of four quote unquote preseason games before the regular season starts. The union are also going on right now in, down in Florida for their MLS is back tournament, which, by the way, hilarious name for for a tournament like the MLS is back. Hilarious. Like the I NHL. Didn't know, I didn't know they went away in the first place. Oh, very funny. But <laughs> my, that but that leads to my question. Uh, have you like I think you of between you and I, I think I'm the one that watches more sports as a whole like you're the hockey guy we're a hockey podcast i love hockey and i'm watching the flyers any chance i get but when they're not playing i'm watching all the other sports that i can find between soccer football basketball hockey whatever it may be some some random stuff like i've i found myself watching darts at some point so are you finding yourself i'm not saying i've watched darts this year but i have watched it in the past over my over my sports watching life so like are you watching finding yourself watching more i guess i'll call them obscure sports that you normally wouldn't find yourself watching the only one i think i've really watched over the past few months that i was really like wow this is where we're at in life um i got a text message early one morning from my buddies and he's like "Uh, yo you got to turn on espn2 right now so i turn on espn2 and it's the international electricians competition so literally it was wait, about wait, wait, wait. <laughs> like like what i need a new a, a wiring at my in my fuse box uh reattached or yep. like fixed up yep this is who i would have called these electricians yep. that that electrician that's what you're talking about yep exactly it was on espn the was- entertainment sports I forget what yes, it stands for. Exactly. Yes. It was the ideal nationals, the national championship electronic cha- electrician challenge. Uh, basically what it was is that um, these guys, they, they come together and they wire something that they have to do and get it to turn on a light a specific way. 
And um, I remember being like sitting they just, there. They just go around looking for a switch. Basically, if you Google it, you'll <laughs> see like what it does. Like basically there's these big wood boards that these guys just wire up and put wires on and add power to it and have certain lights light up and they try to do it as fast as possible. Fascinating. That's what I think I stopped watching any kind of other sports. I mean, um, there was a really great, I mean, the only other obscure sport I can really think I can watch during a time is there was a really good documentary on the Ocho called Dodgeball, where it was about this team uh, <laughs> called Average Joe's Gym, where they were they were playing dodgeball against these Vipers, and Chuck Norris was there, and it was really cool. And they they were getting wrenches thrown at them, and they said, if you could dodge this, you can dodge a ball. <laughs> Dip, dive, duck, dodge, and dodge yeah, yeah, yep duck dip dive di- yeah whatever it is yep yeah man is it, nece- it, is it necessary to watch it no is it no but is it also necessary for me to drink my own urine no but it's sterile and i like the taste so i mean there were some <laughs> lessons there that i took out of that dodgeball documentary i thought that was pretty neat yeah i mean i i'm blown away that you watched a, an electrician competition that's like Listen, that video i had no idea my buddies texted <laughs> it to me and they're like dude you need to turn on espn2 right now it's the most ridiculous thing i've ever seen and there was guys literally wiring <laughs> things together and they were calling it you know international sports so um apparently an australian be upset the three-time u.s professional champion <laughs> and How do you want to ram 1500 pickup truck with it Wow, I mean, I I would enjoy just winning a truck. That I mean, that would be nice. That's like that video that goes around of that guy that's just using an axe or like a sharp knife, and he's playing a competition with that. That's the obscure thing that I found, and it wasn't even on. It, I, I like I have no other way to describe it. It was a competition for who can get through the quote unquote obstacle course <laughs> that you had to cut through as all of the obstacles in the fastest time possible. And it was some weird, like, knife-wielding is the only way I can describe it. Like, it, it was it was the weirdest thing I've seen in quarantine. You know, and the, and the strange thing is, too, they the ESPN does sometimes do called the Ocho, where they do the sports like that. Like, it's 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 literally hard to watch, and it's also hard to not watch. Exactly. Yep. Like, yep. it's, it's kind of like it, – I don't want to say it's bad. But at the same time, it's so bad you no. gotta watch. You know yeah, what I mean? It's bad that you have to watch it. It's, it's, yeah. a, it's a bad movie that you cannot turn your eyes away. Exactly. It's, it's like watching a Netflix movie, like an actual Netflix made movie. Like you have to yeah. watch it. And when you get to the end, you realize, why did I just waste two hours on that ending? It was terrible. Did you watch The Old Guard? Is that what you're talking about? I don't know. We watched something last year with something where oh, the, no, um, or what was, uh, the dude, was it, maybe it was a couple months ago. The dude with the, um, uh, uh, Forrest Whitaker, the guy with the droopy eye, that cool, that the guy. Yes, you know I, know Far- I know who Forrest Whitaker is okay. without describing his lazy eye. Okay, just Thank saying. You. Like, <laughs> well, maybe people don't know who he is. The point is, is that so there was this one with this. Um, I have a lazy eye, by the way. That's the, the, the I take offense to that. My left eye is lazy. So I have one too. Uh, <laughs> I lazy. Wore, maybe I, this needs to be. <laughs> I wore an eye patch when I was younger to straighten that thing out. Did a decent job. <laughs> Everyone called me that. Everyone made the pirate joke. You are not the first one to do it. Oh, I tell you what. You know what? Maybe that needs to be the next one on the Ocho where we all get together and compare lazy eyes. Maybe we have a lazy eye staring competition. That's yes. the next one. For the next quarantine, we're going to have a lazy eye steering cup. Someone get ESPN on the line. We got an idea here. <laughs> all wear eye patches, and then you just you stare until your lazy eye actually does something. Like, you know what I mean? <laughs> and if it doesn't, then guess what? Then you win. So you know what I mean? You win like, the you know, Ram pickup truck. <laughs> <laughs> or a sponsorship from like LensCrafters or something. I don't know. Yeah. So, yeah. Oh, boy. By the way, oh my God, I cannot believe I can't believe we completely forgot about this major announcement. I teased this on our on the podcast on the on my Twitter page. I completely forgot about this, and he's probably listening to this going, "When are you guys going to announce this?" Uh, we have a ma- pretty big announcement here at at, at Orange and Backcheck. Um, obviously, you know, we are a growing podcast. We are always trying to look for the next big thing. And we were fortunate enough, a buddy of ours, Vince Quinn, you hear him sometimes on 94 WIP. Um, 
he's one of the one of my closest friends at the station we've stayed in in close touch with each other we we constantly are communicating and he's always Vince is one of those guys that's always looking to expand his craft and help others expand their craft and when we him and I were talking a couple months ago about this podcast it just seemed like the perfect fit so we're happy to join the spark uh, website. It's a. It's it's just a collaboration of a bunch of different young voices between Vince, Scott, and myself, and a bunch of others. There's a guy, AJ, on there that covers baseball and hockey and football. We have everything covered, not just in in football in in Philadelphia, but throughout the nation, out the, throughout the country. Uh, we are. We thought it was a perfect match to partner up with them as 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 the sports were starting to come back. So we are beyond excited to start a partnership with Spark. So we're gonna Scott and I are gonna start writing in addition to this podcast. Uh, I know Scott's excited for that. So uh, Vince Quinn and the rest of the gang, we are happy to join the Spark. And you can check check us out. You can follow them. Uh, at the Spark account, it's pretty simple. At the Spark account, and their uh, the website is thesparkblog.net. So keep an looking eye out for all the more of that stuff. Thank you very much, Vince. We're looking forward to joining. It's going to be awesome. Yeah, and we'll have another major announcement uh, next week in pertaining to this podcast uh, that just kind of went hand in hand with this. Not hand in hand, but just. Uh, next week, next week. very well timed uh for sure so we'll talk about that next week um yep. so uh, well, but so you're watching we're watching axe throwing and or not axe throwing knife cutting and electrician work and lazy eye staring contest and I lazy eye staring contest we should we should totally do that we should take our lazy eyes and we should have a staring contest with it and do it and, and just show people on who's who's gonna win and then the winner or the the finals has to be you have to wire a house <laughs> correctly to run the fan in the living room well see now that's something i can do is that i you know how many times i've hung a fan in this house my friends actually make fun of me because of it because i'm i do it all the damn time what are you are you breaking fans at the same time as you're replacing uh, putting no, new ones I, in? i've had old see so kind of not really but i moved in the house there were already fans here and they were all getting old or the, some of them were broken so I literally repl- every single fan in this house has been replaced, and the one in my office right here has been replaced twice because I wore the other one out because I never shut it off. Ah, uh, that's fair. I mean, I guess that's fair. We yeah. have one fan, and her, my father, now father-in-law, helped me install it. Uh, I don't yeah. know if I could do it on my. You get to get more people in your corner, man. You got to have a lot of fans. You know what I mean? Like, if you don't have a lot of fans, then nobody listens Dude. to you. <laughs> that's that's fair. <laughs> That's that's very fair. Uh, so before really we going off the beaten path here, yeah, let's get back to this. But uh, let's close this out. Um, as the Flyers are about to come back, the F- Union are already back. The Phillies are back on Friday of this week. Are the Flyers still, in your eyes, the best team in this city? Do they have the best chance to win it all, or is it the Phillies, or is it the Union who are making? I, I don't. I forget the exact landscape of how this tournament works. But I know they qualified for the the next round of the tournament. It's it's hard to say. Like it's it's really hard to even say how good the Flyers are. If you look at their I overall was, uh, skill set, yeah, I, I think that can they still do it? I've been saying all season long. I think this team has an opportunity to get to the conference final if things fall their way the right way. This is a situation where it can fall the right way because they're already got a head start on some other teams. Because they're already in the playoffs. Yep. Here's the thing, though. I I don't know if, if if we can say they're the best team because nobody, everybody's really off their off their game right now. I mean, look, I mean, the Phillies actually look like they have pitchers, which is strange. So um, if that holds out true for you know sixty games or whatever they're doing, then they have a shot. Yeah. Is it an anomaly? I don't know. Is it is it something also where you know? You can say that they're the best team in the city, but are they with an asterisk because of you know whatever they do is going to be? Oh, that was the year of COVID. See, I, 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 I don't saying- think. Yeah, I, I think some people will put the asterisk on all of these sports, especially especially if football goes delayed because because of this. Um, my initial thought is, it just seems like there's a there's a 
motivation between the Sixers and the Flyers to just absolutely get this thing done. Now, if we're just talking about the Sixers and Flyers, I'm absolutely going with the Flyers because the Sixers showed nothing before the stoppage that they could do anything beyond the first round, maybe if they were lucky. Going at the stoppage, the Flyers were without a doubt not just the, just the hottest team in the NHL or the, in the city. They were the hottest team in the NHL. And obviously it's been four months since then, but the way they're talking and the way the stuff that I've read for this, the practices, that the little snippets that we're able to uh, consume, this team looks exactly like they are ready to pick up exa- right where they left off. You, you, Yes, all teams, I can guarantee you that mentality is like that. Right. The yeah. issue is, though, is the flow. Come back to that F word, man. Flow. Yeah. Like, you read up, Couture looked like he had a good practice yesterday, but he was also off on a lot of his timing. His timing wasn't quite there. It was kind of hit or miss on it. Like, a lot of it's going to come down to that game speed timing. And I think that what I think Vigneault is doing the smart thing is that he's not taking the first round as we need to win it. Like, the yeah. the play, like the, the, the round robin. He's looking at as he's going to put players in situations to kind of see what works, and I, I think that is a great way to do it because what's going to wind up happening, and I think he's he's being proactive because think of it this way: say like someone does get COVID or someone does get hurt, you know, God forbid. The point is, is that you're going to have to mix up your lineup of what you got, and yeah. you know, I think there's a lot of a lot of things there that people. Our, our players and coaches are going to have to look at and say, okay, this has got to work. That's got to work. We don't have a lot of time for game-type situations. We've got to try to play in. And really, you're, you're not going to see like real good – I wouldn't say good systematic hockey, but you're not going to see good flow until at least the second round for most teams, maybe late in the first round if games go seven, seven long. It's just – I think that for – to say that the Flyers are going to be the best team, yes, you can. If I'm going to go out and on a limb, I say, yes, they're probably the best team in the city, have the best opportunity to do it, besides the Eagles. The Sixers, I don't know. I'm not a big – I'm not going to lie and sit here and say, oh, yeah, I know everything about basketball. All I know is that Shake Milton's the point guard right now, and that's only because I heard that on the radio. And apparently Ben Simmons is shooting jump shots, but apparently he's been doing that all last summer. So I don't hold a whole lot of stock on the Sixers. I'll watch them and then watch from there. Yeah. The Phillies – I think with a new manager and with better pitching, they have an opportunity as well. But if you're going to go out on a limb and say, okay, is there one team that's probably the best in the city? You're damn right I'm going to say the Flyers because you know why? Because they were awesome before they left. They're always going to be awesome. And the point is, if I don't have to say awesome one more time, I won't. The the whole <laughs> thing is, is that because you, you see what they've been able to do up until that point when they stopped, it doesn't change my confidence at all. It's just a matter of flow for me. Yeah, I think that's obviously going to be what this all comes down to. Flow is the flow is the name of this game, and I, I think what I think it's smart for AV because there's to do this line mixing as you were talking about because the Flyers have nothing to lose; they have everything to gain. No matter what happens, they came into this at the as the four. They cannot go any lower than that. They can only go yep. up. So if if the line mixtures work for this team and they are able to come up to the, let's just say, the second or third seed, like that's a win in my book. Like whatever, like you can't complain about being going down to that. So if AV, and as you said, if a player comes down with COVID and AV has to step in and say, okay, I have to put – uh, a Morgan Frost in my, on in my second line, then so be it, and that that's how it's going to go. Um, and it's not like the end of the world of trying to get him acclimated in the second line f- role when he's did it in the in the round robin r- rounds. So it, it, it'll work out hopefully where it's a necessary thing, but you don't have to use it. And, and here's the way I look at it as well: is that okay? Chances are, if you say this thing goes chalk, okay, you're going to have Which one versus it eight. Yeah. It's very possible, although I, I think that a team like Columbus could wind up beating a team like Toronto, as I've said. But let's let's digress. So the point is that the Flyers, they're going to they're gonna start in a round with a team that's more evenly matched with them. Chances are they're going to start off with either the Penguins, the Islanders, 
or the uh, or the or the Hurricanes, or maybe I you know I don't think the Rangers would be that have to be a pretty rough thing. But the point is, they would start with a team that's pretty even with them to start out, which is good because. You don't want a team that's coming off a really good high who's a low seed like a Montreal or the Rangers who have to play a team like Boston would probably beat them with all the problems Boston's having. So with that being said, it it gives you a little bit more of an intro, so to speak, because you might have to start off with a little more of a harder game and a harder um, rivalry like the Penguins or with the Islanders or even even the Hurricanes would give them a run for the money because those were tight games this season. Excuse me. The point is, is that since they're going to reseed anyway, the idea behind it is that maybe that's why Vigneault's looking at this and saying, you know what, it's going to take us a few games to get going, and let's just see who the first round opponent is. That way, we know how to play it against better. It's not worth them going trying to go and get the top seed and wind up playing a team like the Rangers or the Panthers or the Canadians or even possibly like the the Leafs or the Blue Jackets where you have more of a chance to play the lower seeds who come in hotter and then a team that just gets off to a little faster start with a little more momentum catch you on your heels and you're done in the first round. So yeah, I I I, I would I think it's okay if they blow past the round robin and just wind up playing a team that's even because you'll probably get into the flow faster. Yeah, no, and the good thing is they're not just having the round robin. They also have one preseason game, quote-unquote, whatever you want to call it, this this warm-up game uh, that's about a week. Depending on when you watch the, listen to this episode, it's on next Tuesday. It's at 4 o'clock in the afternoon, and it's just a, it just happens to be against the Pittsburgh, Pittsburgh Penguins. Um, so, I mean, th- he has plenty of time in the limited amount of time that he has – to figure this out. That's the good thing. Like we'll have a, we'll have a good idea of the, if the flow is still there pretty, pretty early on, I would say, but before I think you're going to see rust on both sides. So it kind of evens itself out. But I think that, you know, if you go through a, it's one of those things that you start off a season, it's like almost like a starting a season again. If you go through a faster, more skilled team, who can get off to a hot start like an Edmonton and then cool down as the grind goes along. I, yeah. I, that's why I'm concerned about some speedier teams being able to make a little bit of a push here because it might be a, you know, uh, like a round before some of these top teams start really getting into a flow of it. Yeah. So the Flyers start off, the, their preseason game is on Tuesday, the 28th uh, at four o'clock. So we'll, that'll be, we'll actually have an episode out that day. But what we'll do is, I think. We'll try and release an episode on Sunday afternoon after the first game. Boston, if you think about how you feel about that, I think we can get it done. Yeah, I think that's I think that's when we'll start doing our. We're basically going to treat. I think we talked about this. We're going to treat the round robin as a playoff as well. So we'll try and do a podcast after each game or the next day after each game. Um, I think that I think that'll be. I don't. I think that'll be the plan. I think that'd be great. Because I think uh, I think there's going to be a lot to discuss, especially because we're finally going to get to see real hockey. Yeah. Like you, you can only get so much out of preseason hockey. Like I always enjoy uh, trying to decipher the split squad squad games in baseball and hockey, especially hockey, because y- you almost get nothing out of it other than the occasional. Yeah. Locker room, uh, locker room. Let's locker yeah. room talk. That's all it really is for. Yeah. Just making sure guys are in game shading up to speed, but you yep. can't hit in those games. You're not really supposed to. So guys can't really get into it. So, yeah. I mean, you take for what you will, but you're really not, you know, you're closing your gaps, but you're not really finishing your checks. So, I mean, it's, it, it, we'll see when the first big hit happens here and whatever round, whatever game it happens in, it's going to be quite the pop. Yeah. So you guys going to be having four months of pent up energy. And yeah, that'll be fun to watch. Um, before we wrap, you have uh, you brought something to my attention that was near and dear to your heart, and I didn't know too much about this very important woman um, who was making inroads in the NHL world, just like you and I are today in 2020. Um, today was the, or I believe, was it today or was it a couple of days was, ago? Was today? Was today? today eight, eight years ago today. Eight years ago was when the Dark Knight uh, re- was released in theaters and. You tragically had the Aurora shooting as well that occurred there, and there was this really uh, incredible woman, Jessica Redfield, uh, who was making inroads, as I said, in the NHL, and she was tragically one of those victims that that was in Aurora at that time. So 
Scott, what what happened? Like, what was she, who was she to you? What what did it mean? And then well, the the thing is, is that she this is this is back in the day before Twitter was really like mainstream. Twitter was kind of it was there and people knew about it, but people weren't as big as as, as they were as they are now, so to speak. Mm-hmm. So like back in the day, like when when you looked up on Twitter and stuff like that, you were getting like you know there was couple hundred thousand people a couple million people but it wasn't as how should i say like it was kind of close to everybody kind of talked in the same circles let's put it that way so for instance jessica redfield she was one that wasn't her real name it was just her handle uh she was actually someone who was actually coming up in the business she was a college student she had done work with reporting in a tv studio uh had gotten some recognition from some of the guys over the border like darren dredger bob mckenzie um the guys who work for tsn um, she had, um, she went to, uh, the premiere of the dark Knight rises had was tweeting with Jesse Spector who does, who at the time was doing hockey and now is doing baseball and also tweeting with Sean Gentile, who works for the athletic, um, who does, who's the head writer for the Pittsburgh chapter. And at the time was really doing stuff with the penguins. So she was, she was really, um, one of the big, I'd say during the time, she's really one of the people who kind of understood social media to kind of use it as a platform. So um, we had back in the day had exchanged a couple tweets about hockey, nothing major. But the point was, was that, you know, when you're in a community like that, regardless of it's online or if it's not, you kind of, you know, become familiar with with people in, in general and that they tweet and maybe you become like a part of like you check your feed on Twitter and the people that you follow. You generally see the same people tweeting every day. Um, she was one of those people. And um, it's a shame that, you know, I didn't know her personally at all. I knew her through Twitter, but it was a shame that. And kind of eerie in a sense. I remember waking up one morning and I had gone to work and I was at work and I remember checking my Twitter feed during lunchtime and saw something about, wow, it's pretty eerie. You're looking at Jessica Redfield's timeline. And I saw that she was one of the victims in the Colorado shooting and had been all over the news at that point. And that was um, it was really upsetting. I mean, there was a lot of guys who uh, on Twitter um, who were still on there today. Jesse Spector. uh, uh uh, Sean Gentile, Bob McKenzie wound up saying something about it. Um, you know, Darren Dredger said something about it. Um, you know, that they, it was really a shame because she had her whole life ahead of her and she actually uh, was making really, really good inroads into the NHL reporting on hockey and she was good about it. Um, and her, she, her last tweet is to Jesse Spector 20 minutes before she got killed. And um, it's, it's kind of a thing where I bring it up because – understand that yes i didn't know this person personally but the point is is that understand it just because i didn't know her personally doesn't mean a she shouldn't be remembered and b understand she was still a human being um so understand when you are online you know whether you're trolling whether you're doing whatever whether you're just following people understand these are actual people too and it's a real shame with the fact that you know you saw someone with as much potential as she had to make an impact on you know the same topic we're talking about now uh, but yeah. on a higher level and her life was taken from her in an instant in a tragic situation and it uh, it affected pretty much everybody who had was in the circle like you know tweeting about hockey knew about it and you know the thing is that as years go by, you know people tend to forget about those types of things. But I remember at that time being a younger guy, it's something that affected me. And actually, I'm not gonna lie, I shed a few tears over it because you'd think like, wow, that's someone my age, a little younger than me, lost their life and something they were achieving their dream on. And it's a sad thing to think about. And um, I've always said that every single year since then, I've always made sure on that day to send a tweet to her and let her know that I, you know, someone at least someone's thinking of her. Um, you know, it was a shame to know the fact of how it actually happened because eventually her brother came on and explained what exactly happened to her. And it's a real shame to hear what wound up happening. But, uh, you know, the whole point is, is that just remember people on the other side of phones and screens and social media, they're people too. They're not all bots. Um, just take that in perspective and understand too that, you know, take a moment to remember people who weren't around us anymore who could have you know, an impact on your life without even really knowing it. Yeah. So. And I, the first thing that pops up if you search Jessica Redfield is there's a scholarship fund in the San Antonio area that's, a, that's established in her name. So if you have a moment to check that out, you can follow them at JRG foundation on Twitter. You can go to their website. The link is in that bio there 
on Twitter. So if you have a moment, check it out. Give If you can or want to, give a few bucks. I'm sure they would greatly appreciate it. Um, it's one of those things where you just kind of step back and look at the big, bigger picture in life. And I think you put that in beautifully right there, Scott. So yeah, thank and you. It's, and you're welcome. And it's just important to remember that, you know, regardless – take a moment to remember people who aren't as fortunate as you We're We're fortunate to be able to doing this podcast and something that, you know, she probably would have been doing by now for sure. Um, but the fact that she's not is, is a shame. So take a moment to reflect on that, you know, every year and you know, I'll make sure that I'll be doing that going forward. Yep. And uh, on, on that note, we will say, good night goodbye whatever you're doing whenever you're listening to us uh whatever time you're listening to us we appreciate it as always uh give us a follow at orange and back check at uh gmail.com if you want to shoot us an email twitter and facebook at orange and back check o back check uh on twitter uh and then give our new partners our our new friends the spark uh, uh the uh vince quinn account you can give them a follow as well at the spark account. Uh, we're going to post some, all our content on there as well into the addition of where you get your podcast on Apple music, whatever, or Apple podcasts, whatever it may be. Um, so we talk about it next week. We have hockey. By the time we talk next week, we will be less than 24 hours away from the first somewhat real hockey game. It's a preseason, but it's the flyers and the penguins in Toronto. So, I mean, we're almost there. We almost have made it. I cannot almost. believe it. We've so, almost made it. So close. Listen, only two positive tests. So it's a good thing. We're on a good roll here. I have not. I am from the pessimistic self that I was as soon as this thing went down. I am very positive that we're going to have a Stanley Cup awarded in September of this year. And it's going to be weird that it's in September because we'll be getting, we should be getting ready for the next season. But as long as it's awarded, that's all that matters, right? Exactly. Remember, Phil, stay positive, just not COVID positive. Oh, well done. There's your dad joke for the for the week. <laughs> on that I got note, plenty more where that came from. <laughs> on that note, we'll go talk to you guys next week. Have a good one. I got nothing to shout this week. Uh, Don't forget your dildo. He just said don't forget your dildo.